it still blows me away that just two and a half years ago, there were about 22 people, about 19 adults and three kids that gathered together with a dream of seeing a life-giving church raised up to touch a lot of people. And when I look back on all that God has done here at New Life Church, we're celebrating today. This is our celebration Sunday. So when I look back at all that God has done in just the last two and a half years, he deserves all of the glory. Amen? Amen. Honestly, yeah, that's appropriate. <laughs> Honestly, we feel a little bit like the, the turtle on the fence post. He knows he didn't get there by himself, and we, we know the exact same thing. We feel the same way. God is using this church today to not only be a great church, but to leave a legacy in this city for the glory of God. We have so much to celebrate. I want to share some of those things with you for just a moment. Our last celebration Sunday, we baptized a half a dozen people, a little more, and we had three new members join the church. And we had an incredible church picnic. And that's just the representation of the kind of year that we've had. 2019 has been an amazing year at New Life Church. Numbers of people have come home to God. And every number has a name and every name has a story. And every story matters to God. It's not about the numbers. It's about each individual life that's been changed along the way. Let me brag on God. Over the last two years, we've seen a 500% increase in attendance at this church. And in 2019 so far, we've seen a 34% increase in attendance. 500% increase is easy when you start at 22. It gets harder when you get to a number this size, right? So 34% is still good. We can still celebrate that, right? God's doing big things. Doing big things in adults' lives and kids' lives and students' lives and on the college campus here. And while we're talking about that, let's... Let's look at our Next Generation Ministries. In 2019, we were able to serve over 50 different children on a regular basis and over 20 teens on a regular basis through weekly services, events, activities, and outreaches. Our kids gave over $1,000 themselves to BGMC. They might have had a little help from your coins. Our youth gave over $1,000 to Speed the Light. Our kids and our youth camp attendance exploded. They both went crazy. God did so many amazing things. Fine arts, we had two students qualify for national fine arts. We've continued reaching the campus, the University of Wyoming campus, by increasing our partnership with Chi Alpha. We've gotten more effective at our tailgate outreaches. We gave several hundred semester survival kits away at the beginning of this semester. Our mega sports camp doubled this year. Our backpack giveaway doubled this year, and our community took notice. A few weeks ago, we got a call from Walmart. I was actually out of town. The manager of Walmart called and said, hey, we have some leftover school supplies. Would you like to have those? We know what you guys do for the community. We know how you give away backpacks and school supplies. So instead of throwing these in storage for a year, we'd love to give those to you. So I called Melanie and said, would you be willing to go pick up a few school supplies? Well, let me show you what a few school supplies look like. There's three of those pictures. Over 25 cases full of school supplies. We appreciate Walmart partnering, but more than that, it's significant when the community takes notice that God is doing something and that there's a church that loves its community. We've been very privileged and blessed to be able to provide consistent and monthly financial support to great missionaries around the world. And over the last year, we increased that giving for all of our current missionaries across the board, and we added a few new ones along the way. In addition, we helped out a church plant in Lander, and we partnered to help launch Laramie Connections Church here in this city. Today, we've given a sacrificial offering to help Convoy of Hope with One Day to Feed the World because we're a generous church. We're not a church that's just focused on ourselves and what happens inside the four walls of our building. We're not even in the four walls of our building. We believe in God's kingdom over our empire. And you've heard that before and you're going to hear it again. Just a couple weeks ago, we had a team of people that went to the Holy Lands 
And it was awesome. It was exciting. It was life-changing. Several of those people are here today. But I'm going to ask Linda to come and share just briefly because this is something that we want to celebrate what God did over the course of this trip. Some of you don't know Linda. You think she's here for the first time. You just don't come to the first service often enough. <laughs> Linda was an incredible addition to our team. We were so thankful to have her there. And uh, I'm excited to hear what she has to share. I was there. I'm still excited to hear what she has to share. All I can say is wow. <laughs> If you have never been on a trip orchestrated by God, you need to sign up for the next Israel trip. Uh, sorry. <laughs> the music this morning brought back so many memories. We stood on Mount Carmel where Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal and overlooked the whole Jezreel Valley. And it hit me at that moment. It was such a tiny area, and it has gone all over the world. And the rest of the trip continued like that. Did we get my pictures up? Okay, I don't know if you can see these or not, but um, some, I just wanted to share one story. We were with, um, Dr. Wave Nunnally, who is a professor with the Assembly of God, the Evangelical Theological Seminary, Theological Seminary who could quote you any verse in the Bible, <laughs> backwards and forwards. He could quote you from Josephus, book, chapter, page, paragraph, from the Maccabees. He was so amazing. If you will look at that picture, which I believe is on your left, what do you think that is? <laughs> Not a well. That is a manger. That is representative of what they put Jesus in when he was born. It is not what we think of we see things through our eyes, our life today, and our culture. That was not what happened. And he talked about how in the nativity story, um, Jesus had to stay in the, or Mary and Joseph had to stay in the stable because there was no room in the inn. But that word inn literally translated to guest house. And Jesus, or Joseph, excuse me, had family in Bethlehem. And he was going there to stay with his family. But they had to put Mary and Joseph down in the stables because number one, there wasn't room in the house for her to give birth. But number two, because of the ritual purity that the Jews practiced at the time. And a woman who was giving, who gave birth was considered ritually impure for 40 days after giving birth and anything she touched would have become impure. So they did not want her in their home where they too would become impure. Those were the kind of aha moments that we had, not just day after day, but side after side after side after side. Okay, if you look at the picture on your left, is it your left? Right. right. Oh, you're right, it's my left, sorry. Um, do you see the cone? What do you think that is? An egg? Pretty good guess. A millstone, that's right. And if you think about when Jesus set, had the children come to him, and how, uh, what did he say, uh, woe to those who cause any one of these children to sin, it would be better that he had a millstone around his neck. Does that add anything to your understanding of that? Okay, Matt, that's just two of the things that I remember, but it was such an amazing trip. I know you all think maybe you can't afford to go, but if, I, Matt, I think you're planning one in a couple more years. I would encourage you to keep on your website a place to, 
donate for the Israel trip. And if you can just go in and put whatever you can each month by the time it gets here, you will have enough money to go. And believe me, it was so amazing. Can I just tell about the very first time we got on the bus? And you know how when you're having this amazing thing you think is going to happen and then Satan comes into your life? We got on the bus and we were informed that the jihad had fired missiles into Israel that night. And Israel was firing back. Do you know how amazing God is? We never heard about it again until we got home. Is that just, uh, I mean, I'm still crying from singing how great there are this morning because as we were coming off the roof of one of the churches into this empty church, our group broke out singing how great thou art. And the echoes in that empty church, the brick walls just was, it just sent chills down your spine. And so I'm sitting here bawling this morning. Anyway, it was a great trip and I certainly encourage all of you to sign up and go for it. We were honored to have her go, and then don't think that this is, you know, rare for her. We actually had to hold her back from preaching on the trip. I've got a picture. Show that picture of her there. She. This is uh, the the entrance way to the temple on a place where Jesus actually a stone that he actually would have had to have stepped on going in and out of the, the temple, and she just. Uh, the, the boldness of the Holy Spirit came upon her and she was just challenging our group and it was just incredible. Just show the group picture. It was awesome to be in the Holy Land with this group of people and we celebrate what God did in their lives and we do want you to go in a couple years and experience it for yourself. Can we just celebrate that together today? Thank you, Linda, for sharing. Okay, I'm going to preach to you too. We were on the threshold where Jesus walked and everybody was going, Oh, wow, we're right in his footsteps. And I said, I just need to remind you that if you are born again, you walk with Jesus every day. I'm telling you, you've got to hold her back. In addition to that, we've seen growth in our 8.30 a.m. service. It's been incredible to see what God has done there from a handful of people when we began to have two services to, to filling up the service and it being exciting. Our 11 a.m. service has exploded. How many of you are part of our 8.30 service? Just raise your hand. Awesome. How many of you are part of our 11 a.m. service? Raise your hand. That's awesome. It's awesome to see. It's almost an equal split. If everyone shows up, it's almost an equal split now. Sometimes on those those crazy days, or or, or I don't know, if, you know, sometimes Denver Broncos football schedule plays into it or whatever. But it's awesome to see what God has has done. Some of you, I see you in the wrong service, and I'm like, why are you here at 8:30? Well, the Broncos kick off at 11, so I got to be home by then. Think we can make that happen, Pastor? We have not one church van, but we have two church vans that pick up people for events and services and activities. We're live streaming and people are watching our services online. In fact, we have people that have come to our service because they first watched the service online. Our, our weekly podcasts have, have uh, tripled the downloads on that. We're reaching people like we've never reached people before in ways that we've never reached them before. Two years ago at New Life Assembly of God, there were a couple of people that were doing a whole lot of work. They were doing anything that was getting done. There was a few people like Ace and Leon Brummond that were serving. Leon would come on Monday mornings and she would take out the trash at the church and she would check the mail. She'd do much of the decorating and go to battle to defend our church because she believed in it and she loved it with all of her heart. She still does. Jim and Marlon Fraley, helping with the decor, helping with the finances, standing in the gap, believing for more in the future. Joe Zeiler was the life support of the church, and he prayed, even if he was the only one praying. Well, 2019, our volunteers have increased, and those people that served in the past, they continue to serve, but they're not having to carry the load by themselves. They do it along with so many that give so much 
Whether it's in worship or hospitality or grounds maintenance or teaching or putting up a random sign or making a, a major nativity scene or loving on kids, taking youth to convention for a weekend. We couldn't do it without each and every one of you. We need more of you to go where God's going to take us. But we want to recognize and honor all of our volunteers. Would you put your hands together to recognize them? especially on a week like this that required extra work and there's people that have worked extra hours there's others that have worked extra days and some have been working for weeks to make this happen and we're so appreciative as we have done and, and, and have made a habit of doing in our celebration Sundays we want to recognize one special volunteer that over the last season has gone above and beyond and it's a representative of so many that serve in so many ways in so many areas. And Melanie is going to join me up here to help me recognize this person and share a little bit about what this person has done and how she served in our church. Okay, so this person um, faithfully, we for those of you who don't know, if, uh, if you are not a lady, you may have not known that we have a uh, Bible study. Every Tuesday, we do it twice a year. We have a spring and a fall, and uh, we just finished our fall Bible study, and we do morning and evening, and there's a lot of work that goes into that, and a lot of hands that go into that, and this person came faithfully every Monday night and picked up chairs if they needed to be picked up, put out tables, decorated the tables, got everything ready. This person came early to both Bible studies, a.m. and p.m., um, to help make coffee and to set up and to do all of those things. Um, I'm going to forget all the things that she does because she does so much. She has helped uh, clean with cleaning. She brought her own steam cleaner to the church and went over every inch of carpet, took hours and hours, and we just so appreciate it. She's part of the team that takes meals to people. And so we just want to say how much we appreciate you, Paula. God has done so much, and we have so much to celebrate, from outreaches and ministry and life change, so much. In 2019, we celebrated over 70 decisions for salvation or rededication to the Lord. If you can't get excited about anything else, that should make you excited. We've baptized 17 people, 15 people have made the decision to make New Life Church their home and taken the step of becoming members of the church. We've dedicated three children to the Lord. Those are exciting things. Life change is happening at New Life Church. I can tell you story after story of people's lives and things that happen. You know them, you've heard them, miracles that God has performed in lives, all this and much more. You know, as I've thought about all that God has done and the testimonies and the changed lives and the giants defeated and the incredible advancement, I have a thought still down in my heart. God, do you have more for us? Does God have more for us as a church? Does God have more for New Life Church? Who else is he positioning us to reach? What is God leading us in for the days to come? We have something big, a big announcement that we want to share with you. Before we get into that, I want to ask you, are you ready to hear God and do what God is leading us to do? Sometimes we struggle hearing God's voice. Today, we have a fine arts team that just... Uh, they took their ministry to Casper for, for fine arts, for district fine arts, and they competed there. And uh, it was a competition that weekend, but what they do is ministry. It's ministry, gifts, and talents. Some of you may have not been familiar with fine arts, but it's what our teenagers do to use the gifts and talents that God has given them in ministry. And today, they're going to help illustrate sometimes how hard it can be to hear the voice of God. Would you put your hands together for Faith and Cheyenne as they come today Oh, here's one. 
King James Version. Let's see here. God's, God's. Holy moly, there's like a million of them in here. Let's see here. God head, nah, too creepy. God of heaven, nah, too far away. God of hosts, nah, it's like I'm throwing them a party. Oh, this is just to try them all. Here it goes. Hello, hello. Hello, is this God? Hello, hello. Hello, God? Sorry, dude, can't hear you. Lost connection. Hang up and try again later. Too far away. How about God of this world? Sounds local. Hello? Uh -huh. Um, God? Well, yeah, sort of. Wait, what number did I dial? 12 years. To speak with customer service in a foreign country, press 6. God else Hello, this is Bob. How may I help you? Um, I was trying to get in touch with, with God. I was hoping maybe you could try it for me. Which one, please? There are thousands. Uh, the one with the capital G. Sorry, we don't have a contract with him. Okay, bye. <laughs> no contract? God, God LTD? Sounds kind of cool. I'm sorry I couldn't be there to answer your call in person, but I do have to rest some time. <coughs> so I don't know. I guess leave like your name and stuff, and I'll try to get back to you when I can. Okay? Bye. Oh, and may I bless you. Oh, now I remember. LTD stands for limited. Boy, maybe I'd better try the what do they call it? Operator? Do they still have one of those? Oh, here, of course. Hello, this is Mary. How may I help you? Hi. I was trying to get in touch with the Lord. I was hoping maybe you could try for me. Certainly, I'd be glad to try. I'm sorry, that number is busy. Would you like to hang up and try again later? Okay. Do I need to go through you? No. A lot of people think that actually. You can just dial direct. <laughs> I'm sorry, this number has been disconnected or is no longer in service. Hopefully, you've reached God in error. Please hang up, check your heart, and dial again. Ooh, hey, wise God. Wise is good, right? Yeah, what do you want? Um, God? So, what if it is? Who wants to know? Um, well, this is Jenny, and I just wanted. And I just wanted. I just wanted, I just wanted. Yeah, well, I don't do requests. Um, but. I just... Listen, buddy, I ain't got forever. You ain't? I mean, you haven't, but you're God, shouldn't you? Care? Try again, really not a pray, kid. Oh, no. That was it. That was my last number. What am I going to do now? Oh, God. God, is that you? Yesterday, today, and forever. But what are you doing here? Why aren't you at home? I am at home. You are? Yes. But when did you get here? Behold, I stood at your door and knocked on April 22nd. You opened it, you invited me in, we had a nice little dinner, and then you tried to lock me in your closet. <laughs> you didn't succeed, by the way. Oh, uh, what changed? You stopped trying on your own and cried out to me. I tried every number in the book. Behold, you dial and receive not, because you dial and miss. I didn't call any girls. No, and you didn't call me either. Lord, Lord, did I not? Oh, spare me. Look, Jenny, you've tried everything but just talking to me. That's all prayer really is, just talking to me. But I talk a lot. And listening. Oh. Now see what's so tough about that. This? This isn't talk. This isn't. This isn't praying. This is just talking to you. There you go. But Lord. Lord, I don't. Oh, now I get it. Go away. Let me try again. Oh, Jenny. <laughs> hey, God. Yes, Jenny? I love you. I know, and I love you too. I know. Yeah, I know that too, actually. <laughs> Sometimes we make hearing the voice of God so complicated. You know, today we're going to eat a lot of great food. And the thing about cooking is that when you follow the instructions, you get the desired result. And GPS, it's usually the same way. When you follow the directions, you get where you want to go. Usually I get in trouble thinking I know better than the GPS. If you have a virtual assistant on your phone like Siri, if you follow those instructions, sometimes you'll get what you're asking for. You'll get the information that you want. That's kind of like a, a, a millennial life principle, right? But it's a God's principle that when we follow his leading and his word, that we're going to get the desired results in our spiritual life. It's more accurate than the best recipe or GPS or virtual assistant. James boldly states in James 1.22, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. I've asked myself the question many times, why aren't people obeying and why don't churches obey God? There's reasons that you and I don't obey God, reasons that we don't obey the word. And today, if I can, I want to help us just for a moment to look at a couple reasons why. And then, friends, 
If we can understand that, the results will be miraculous. And it's going to bring honor and glory to God. In fact, I believe the answer to this foundational question is found in John chapter 2. It was the wedding in Cana. The story is going to serve as a precedent-setting event, meaning it's the first of its kind. And it's something that sets the standard for future events. What's a precedent event? Well, for example, a teacher who lets kids chew gum in their class is setting a precedent that chewing gum will be okay in the future. So this was similar to that in Jesus' life. This was Jesus' very first miracle. And it actually tells us a reason why people are not doers of the word. In John chapter 2, verse 1 through 6, it says, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Now this wasn't really what she was really concerned about, what her interest was in this situation. Jesus said to her, Woman, which is not a disrespectful term, but actually a courteous term of respect. He says, Woman, what... What does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set six water pots of stone. Now this isn't your mom's Tupperware. It's not a glad disposable container. Let's just say that they were heavy. According to the manner of purification of the Jews, that they're containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. This is 180 gallons of water or wine. That sounds like a lot. So we continue reading in verse 7. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, the master of the feast, which is our modern day toastmaster, he called the bridegroom and he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have... Well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. Jesus is always able to take your bad day and turn it around into a good day, right? Always. This is the beginning of the signs that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. And manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. Again, notice it says this is the beginning, the first of the signs of Jesus. There's a common myth that said that Jesus as a kid, that he would make clay animals and he would bring them to life and do miracles as a kid. And that's not true. The scripture makes it clear that this was the first. And here's what I want you to see in this story. In order to obey God, in order to really be a doer of the word, someone has to cooperate with God. Notice it was not just Jesus. Jesus didn't perform this miracle alone. Believe it or not, Jesus requires cooperation. He needs you. He desires to use you in the process. If miracles and things are going to change in your life, if miracles are going to happen, he's going to require your cooperation. If we want God to touch our families and this city and the world, please understand that God is going to involve us in the process. Notice it wasn't just Jesus using his finger, moving the pots and doing the things. He was using other people in the process. Jesus didn't use just his finger when it came to feeding the 5,000. He involved other people in the process. If you think God's going to zap your finances without you getting involved, you're wrong. If you think that God's going to take care of your body without your cooperation, you're wrong. You don't get saved without cooperation. You don't get filled with the Holy Spirit without cooperation. You don't know love and stay healthy and experience God's blessing without cooperation. God isn't going to force you to do something that you don't want to do. In fact, he's going to involve you in the process. So if something's going to happen, then men must cooperate with God. Mary, the mother of Jesus, she gives us two clues on how to cooperate with Jesus. In John 2, 5, she said, whatever he says to you, do it. Now that simple statement, whatever he tells you to do, do it, actually teaches us two very important things. And the first thing is this. Jesus will never tell you to do something that you're incapable of doing. I realize that not once in the entire word is there an instance where God asked someone to do something they couldn't do. The second thing is that what, what he tells you to do may contradict common sense. When Mary said, whatever he says to do, do it. It tells me that Jesus will never tell you to do something you're incapable of doing. But what he tells you to do may not always make sense. If, if you get thinking about it and reasoning it, and you're like me, and you think about a lot of things, and you evaluate a lot of things, and you look at what God has told you, and you size it up against the problems in your life and the situation that you're facing, and you can come to the point where you ask the question, I know what God has told me to do, but what good is it going to do? Will this really make any difference? 
you come to the conclusion that if I do what God told me to do, it won't really have the impact that I'm looking for. Nothing is really going to change. But see, that's looking through it through human eyes. Moses, when he's walking through the parched desert, leading three million Israelites to the promised land, They've just seen the Red Sea split in two, but now they have no fresh water for three days. Imagine how desperate and discouraged people were. We were in a place where they wandered. We had a couple pictures there from just a couple weeks ago when we were there. We saw these places. The scripture tells us that they came upon a pool, a spring of water called Mara, which meant bitter, and no one could drink it. So Moses cried out to God, what should I do? And God answered, cut down that tree and throw it in the water. And when they did, the bitter waters were made sweet. A miracle was performed. But I have a question. Could Moses do what God asked him to do? Was he able to cut down a tree and throw it in there? Yes. But God, up against that problem, up against the situation that I'm facing, what difference is cutting down a tree and throwing it in the water going to make? It just doesn't make sense. It's not going to, it's just an ordinary tree. It's not going to make any difference in this situation, God. Maybe, God, you're confused about the situation that I'm in. So many reason themselves out of being a doer of the word and being obedient to God, wondering and questioning what difference is it going to make. We've got bills, you and I. We've got credit cards, mortgage, car payments. God asks us to honor him in our tithe. And we think, what good is it going to do? God, up against my situation and my problem, what good is giving away 10% of my income going to do to help me pay my bills, to help me with the situation that I'm facing? How is that going to help? So we come to the conclusion that if I do what God told me to do, it won't really have any impact. Nothing will change. So oftentimes people justify disobedience to God's word and disobedience to what God is speaking to them because it doesn't make sense in the natural mind. Joshua stood looking at the fortified walls of Jericho, an impenetrable city that had two massive stone walls. The outer wall was six foot thick and 20 foot high. The inner wall was 12 foot thick and 30 foot high. Joshua went before the Lord and said, how are we going to win this battle? And God said, take your army and march around the walls one time every day for six days and don't speak a word. And on the seventh day, march around the wall seven times in a row and on the seventh time let the police the priests blow their trumpets and the people shout for the lord the rest is verifiable history archaeologists have actually discovered the walls of jericho derek talked about it just a couple weeks ago when he shared they were astonished to find the walls didn't cave inward but instead outward god performed the miracle question could joshua and the people do what god asked them to do could they walk around the city yes but God, what difference is that going to make? What difference is walking going to make? What difference is, is blowing a horn or a trumpet? What difference is shouting going to make? In this situation, John 9 talks about a man born blind. Jesus is teaching the disciples. And it says that he spit on the ground and made some mud with his saliva. I don't know about you, but I think it takes a lot of spit to make saliva on the ground. Have you ever tried that? Something for you to do later today. You got some extra time on your hands during Thanksgiving. Not only did he spit enough spit to make some mud out of, out of his saliva and the dirt, but he put it in the man's eyes. And some theologians have even believed that this man was born without eyes and that Jesus was actually creating new eyes for him. Notice what he says. He says, go. He told him to wash in the pool of Siloam. We were there. We were on the steps of the Pool of Siloam just a couple of weeks ago. It was incredible to see these places where God did these incredible things. But I have a question for you. The man went, he washed, he came home seeing. Could he do what Jesus asked him to do? Of course he could. But what difference would that make in his life to a man born blind or even without eyes? Against the situation that he was facing, what was washing mud out of your eyes? What difference does it make? God asks us to do things that don't always make common sense. It'll never ask you to do something you're incapable of doing. He just wants you to be obedient to what he's asked you to do. Luke 17, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. We were in those places too. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. It's a horrible and nasty disease that completely just deforms the body. And because it, it was contagious with no cure, the law stated that they couldn't come near other people. So they stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And they went and they were cleansed. Question for you. Could the ten lepers do what Jesus had asked them to do? Yep. 
Yes. But God, up against this problem, in this situation, when you look at the details of what I'm facing, what good is it going to do? But they obeyed and they were cleansed. Now, please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying just to jump on every whim that comes your way. There's been times where I've heard stories of people at Bible college in different places where they shared stories that God told them to give away the car that they had. And as a result, he returned to them something better than what they had. It was debt-free and paid off and a better car because they obeyed. And they had this newer, nicer car with keys in hand, debt-free car. That's awesome. But if you do the same thing and God didn't tell you to do it, then you're probably going to have to sign up to ride the church van to church every Sunday, which is fine. But don't expect to, to, to have miraculous things happen just because you do what somebody else did. I'm not talking about just following a whim. I'm talking about being obedient to the voice of God in your life. I'm talking about obeying God and being a doer of the word. Here's the second thing we can learn from this precedent-setting event, and it actually comes from the servants. John 2, 7 through 11, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them to the brim. We see here they took those six huge stone pots and they filled them all the way up. Or did they fill them halfway? Or did they fill them just a little bit because they were heavy to carry and they didn't know what this crazy guy was going to do because he'd never performed a miracle before? Did they fill them halfway? Did they fill them a little bit? Or did they fill them all the way to the brim? They filled them all the way to the brim. So someone has to be willing to go all in. In other words, they did it to the max. They did it to the best of their abilities. No regrets. No holding back. That means when the word talks about work as unto the Lord, that he expects that we do it to the max. When the word talks about children obeying your parents to the Lord, he expects that you do it to the max. I thought some parents would say amen right there. I don't know. It means when the word talks about husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Do it to the max. Come on, wives. That means when the word talks about putting God first in your life and your finances and your priorities, that we do it to the max because we obey God to the max. The Bible teaches us to love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. We do it to the max. Friends, I can say without hesitation and complete peace that God is speaking and he's confirmed it over and over to move forward in faith, to go all in. Let me explain. Honestly, God has entrusted us, this new life assembly of God, with so much. He's placed us in a growing and a thriving community here in Laramie. Did you know that within a 15-minute drive of us, that there's about 40,000 people that live in this area? Maybe not within the city limits, but in this area. And currently, only 20% of them regularly attend a church. This is going to shock you, but according to the most recent statistics, roughly 10 to 15% of those people, only 10 to 15% of the 40,000 are in church on any given weekend. Do the math yourself and you'll be blown away by how many unchurched people are at our doorstep. In the last two years, this church has grown by an uncommon 500%, and this year isn't even done yet. The number doesn't take into account what's happened in the last month, and we've seen additional growth in the last month. What I'm getting at is as leaders, we need to look down the road two and three years from now. Where will we be as a church? Is God done? Is there more that God wants to do? Have we as a church reached all the people that God wants us to reach? Or is there more? Are there more people that need to be reached? Do you have children and grandkids and neighbors and co-workers and friends and family members that need to, to experience new life in Christ? Is there more that needs to happen, or is this it? Trying to answer that exact question, we began this year asking you to fast and pray with us for the future and the direction of New Life Church. Very, very first of the year. In fact, we concluded last year saying, would you please fast and pray? Would you seek God with us? Over the last several months, we've been praying. We've been seeking God's direction. We've talked about the 2020 vision. I know some of the kids here know what it is. They've heard it over and over again. What's our 2020 vision? What does it mean? God's perfect plan. And that's what we've been wanting. God, would you show us the 2020 vision? Would you show us your perfect plan for our church? Our kids know it. We know it. 
For the first nine months of the year, our board has talked and prayed and sought God's direction. We've explored various options, everything from expanding our building at the current location to be able to seat more people to exploring other options in town, existing buildings within the city. We've talked about adding additional services. A year ago, we, we went from, from one service to two. We've been looking and, and asking God, God, how would you have us to be obedient to you, to reach the people that you've called us to reach. Along the way, we've been seeking God, asking questions. We've discovered a number of growth lids in our current facility, meaning that although we could seat a few more people in the auditorium in our first service, our second service is beyond packed most weeks. Also, we're running out of parking space. Some of you are having to hike just to get to the front door of the church. We're running out of parking, we're running out of community space, which is areas for fellowship and hallways and classroom areas, kids space and much more. Currently on weekends, most weekends we maximize our parking lot and our community space is so crowded it can be intimidating just to get a cup of coffee at the church or to go to the bathroom. Our guests have to squeeze through crowded spaces in hallways to get to these essential items and coffee is essential. So is a toilet when you got to go. And there's 20 people standing between you and the door. And folks, we've invested some money into renovating and upgrading parts of our building. The fact is that despite those, those, those renovations and the updates, we have continued heating and air conditioning problems that are going to increase. In short, in short our building is failing to keep up with our growing family. We don't have sufficient office space or resource rooms for the growing needs of both staff and volunteers, and we don't have any appropriate counseling areas. Right now, in most of our 11 o'clock services, if a family of three or more walks in at 10.55, I'm not talking about they're late. God forbid they be late. But if they show up at 10.55, it's likely that the three of them would have to split up, they wouldn't be able to sit together, or they'd have to be waiting for chairs to be packed into a crowded space somewhere before they could sit down. We're considering adding a third service in, in 2020, yet our current facility is facing its limits. Any one of, the, one of you guys that come help me, would you hold this right here? This is what I believe that God is doing. And I believe that he's done so far at New Life Church. I believe that he has he's filled us up from where we were to where we are today, and I can promise you that God wants to pour more of this into our cup. Our community is filled with people who are far from God. He is the ultimate steward, though. He's not going to pour people into a church if we're not prepared. He's not going to do it. Thank you, Cheyenne. You can have a cup of water. Congratulations, you're a winner. I believe that standing before God, we have a responsibility. We have an obligation to make a difference. And if God is leading, we need to be open to him. In fact, for the last nine months, I've been asking God a question. Do you have an even greater kingdom impact for us to accomplish? And I've asked the board and the staff to join with me in an intense season of prayer and fasting as to God's leading for, to us as a church family. And today, I want to share with you an exciting announcement that after much prayer and discussion and God moving in big ways, the board and I have reached together. And I have something that I want to show you. Oh man. I'll be proud of anything. This is this is a little awkward. Okay. I really this is an important part of this announcement. So will you guys just hold on one minute? I think I left this at the other church. I'll be right back. This is really, really awkward. I apologize. Oh my. I'll be right back.
I'm worn out. That was quite the jog. Sorry about that, that was really awkward. I need some help. If you guys will help me on this side to pass these out, and you guys can help me on this side to pass these out. I want to give you something, put something in your hand that'll give you a little bit more information and details about what we're talking about. Let me share some with you. As we've been seeking God for the first nine months of our year, we didn't have a clear direction. We were seeking God and exploring many options, and we didn't want to step out without that. Just a few weeks ago, some really incredible things transpired. And it's something that I can only attribute to God working and moving in exciting ways. I clearly got direction from the Lord and a specific word that we are to move forward in faith before all the details are worked out. It's not a common sense kind of move. Put together a plan and a process to build a new building on the property that we already own that's really just across the street from us here, kind of catty corner on Huron Street off of 287. It's about a mile closer to town. It's an area that's going to be a brand new neighborhood of about 300 homes for our city. And God's positioned us right in the middle of those 300 homes. We believe that this is a two to three year process. These things don't happen overnight. We need God to move in some really big ways to make this happen. But as Joe Zeiler said in our board meeting, when we were talking about this, God has moved miraculously to bring us to this point and he's not going to abandon us here. And we believe that firmly. So yes, there's things that we're going to have to trust God to do, but there are things that we can do to move forward now. And we're beginning to do those things. We believe that in order to continue to reach our community and see our kids and our grandkids, our next door neighbors and our coworkers experience new life in Christ, that ultimately what we need is a permanent larger home for New Life Church in Laramie. If we're going to effectively reach the people that God has called us to reach and be the church that he's called us to be, it's not about just a bigger building. Hear me on this. It's not it at all. If you get from this that we're just focusing on building a bigger building, then you've missed it and I failed to communicate it. It's about hearing God and cooperating with Him. It's about being willing to go all in and doing what He has called us to do and doing it to the max. This is about people. Thousands of them that need Jesus in our community. And every number has a name. And every name has a story. And every story matters to God. We can't reach them all alone, but we believe that God has called us to do more than we're currently able to do with the limitations of our current facility. So I want you to be aware of what we're doing, what we're going to do to begin to allow for more room. And you can see it on the inside there. I want to share some of those things with you. The first of those is that we're going to maximize our current space, or I should say continue to maximize our current space because we've been doing this. But let me tell you, we're going to add chairs like never before. We're going to pack them in there. And we're going to explore how to put together a third service for, for 2020 that will meet the needs of our community. And we believe that's a, a temporary thing that we need to do because we've reached our limit of how many people that we can reach. We're going to explore what that looks like and when that will happen. The second thing that we're going to do is we're going to continue to create margin. We're going to focus on our, our 2020 budget. We're going to base it off of 90% of what came in during 2019, not based on projections of where we believe we're going to be down the road. We've had to do that in the past. We've had to adjust and adapt, but we want to focus on 90% of what came in and position ourselves for the future that God is bringing us to so that we have a reserve and we can jumpstart our savings and we can be prepared for future added expenses that are going to be there. The third thing is that we're going to sell our current church properties. And you can ask, well, why, why now? Why would we do that now? Well, selling a church facility oftentimes can take between 12 and 24 months. We'd love to see it happen sooner, but that's the reality of the situation. Oftentimes, churches that are looking at buying church buildings, they have to raise the money in order to be able to do it. It's a process for them like this is a process for us. In addition to the current church properties that we own and the acreage there, we own over 30 acres of property back over here. We're going to sell a good portion of that and keep about 10 acres for ourselves. And so what are we going to do when we sell that property? 100% of the proceeds are going to go toward the building campaign of the new building, of the property that we sell over here, of the facility that we currently are in. And we don't know the timing of when all those things are going to happen. God knows, and he's faithful, and he's able. 
But we're going to step out in faith because that's what he has spoken to us to do, to go all in. And we need your help in the process. We've got a special called family meeting on December 1st. That's just next Sunday between our services and the time when we normally have had some discipleship classes. Any of you that are members and have been members for a while, you know that we don't sell church properties without your approval. We want you involved in the process. We're giving you details now, and we're asking you as members to come to that meeting and be a part. Everyone's welcome. Anybody is welcome to come and have information and input into that. But we need your help to move forward in this process. We believe it's what God has called us to do. We want to step out in faith and be obedient to Him in that. And the fourth part is that we're going to prepare to build a new campus. And like I said, this won't happen overnight. It's a process. We need property to sell. We want to take the time to do it right and take advantage of all of the resources that the Assemblies of God has to offer in building a new building and not go into needless hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt in the process. We don't believe that that's what God has spoken to us in this situation. We want to take our time and do it right, take advantage of the resources that are available and do this thing the right way. And so that's what we're, what we're doing. And I want to be 100% transparent with you today. Here's the main thing that makes me not want to sell the building. Because honestly, we're comfortable where we're at. We don't have to set up chairs and bring in speakers and do all this kind of stuff. It would be easy to say, ah, this is okay. This is a step that's going to stretch our leadership and our people. And some people won't want to make this journey with us. And I recognize that and I understand that. And I respect that if that's your decision. We feel like we're being obedient to what God has spoken to us. And that's the most important thing for us in this moment. We care about the people of this church. We want people to move forward with us and be a part of it. But ultimately, if that's not God's plan for your life, then we bless you in that. It's possible that we may have to go to a temporary location like this for a short period of time until the building's built. That's part of putting it up for sale. We don't know. But that's one thing that causes me to be hesitant. The enemy will attack. And I promise you, he's not happy about the life change that's happening at New Life Church. He could care less about a building. He cares tremendously about life change that's happening. And when we talk about preparing and positioning ourselves to do that in a greater way and to be obedient to God and to do it to the max, I guarantee you, He's going to be upset. Another thing is the city of Laramie has a reputation of being tough on churches. I don't say that to slander anybody. It's just the reality of the situation. And it makes sense. We're not part of the tax revenue for them. So we're the lowest thing on the, on the priority list. But our God is bigger. And he can move in those situations. And we trust him. Another, another thing is like you. I've heard stories of failed transitions and people that have stepped out and it hasn't happened for them. And so all those things, if I'm being honest with you today, those are real concerns of mine. But stronger than my concerns is the peace in my heart. The board and I feel a strong sense of peace about this. I've shared it with our staff pastors. They too have expressed their support. My mentors and our leaders are supportive and behind us. I don't want to do anything in secret. I value your support and your input. You know my leadership style has always been shoulder to shoulder. I want to hear from you. But this I know that ultimately God has called me to lead this church. And I have to be obedient to him in that. Doesn't mean I don't have fears. I said, I'm, I'm human like you. I don't have all the answers. This is a step of faith that doesn't make sense fully in the natural. And just like we read today, God doesn't ever ask us to do anything that we're not able to do. Sometimes it doesn't make complete sense because we're looking at it from this side. But when we step out, God is faithful. I just want to trust and obey. Here's some things that strongly compel me to go all in. When I stand before God, I don't want him to look at us with disappointment because we played it safe. He's planted us in a growing and a thriving community. He's given us an opportunity. He's blessed and given increase. We have to be faithful. We must use each talent that he's entrusted to us for him. This isn't a journey towards a new building. I said it before. I want to say it again to make sure you're clear. Don't walk away with it. We're just starting a journey to a new building. If that's all you hear, I've sold you short of God's heart today. We must answer God's call to go all the way to our mission field to effectively reach the next generation of kids and youth and young adults and senior adults and families in Laramie, Wyoming. To reach the families that currently live in our city and the ones that are moving into a neighborhood across the street where God has positioned us. 
to create inviting environments that will serve as conduits to heal broken marriages and to cure addictions and to stop suicides and bring hope and truth to adults who lead families in our community and workplaces. This is the vision that God has called us. It's about people today. If we don't do it, then who will? If we're not going to listen and obey God, then who else is going to do it? As leaders, we have to ask the question, where will we be in two or three or four years from now if we don't take this step? We still need a seat for your friends and your family members and your neighbors and your coworkers. That's what this is about. The mentors in my life have encouraged me to take this step based on where God has positioned us, what he has done, the favor that he's given us, and the doors that he's opened as I close, I want you to know that I can't do it alone. But I make this solemn pledge to you. I will lead the way in this journey. I will roll up my sleeves and do the hard work. Melanie and I will ask God to help us. And we will pray daily and diligently for God's strong arm of blessing and favor upon all that we do. But we can't do it alone. I must have your help. We must have your help. I'm going to ask you to stand shoulder to shoulder with us. And if you will, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you just to stand right now where you are. Jesse's going to lead us in that song that there's even more that God has for us. Let's take a moment and just declare that over this situation, this season, this moment, this time in our church.
thank you so much for having vision. And, and we know that the scripture says in Hebrews 11, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Everyone that comes to him must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And you have sought him, and you're stepping, you're stepping out in faith, and um, with God, all things are possible. I also want to just give a shout out to Pastor Matt and Melanie and their children. Um, God has anointed them and put a mantle on them for this season, for this time. They are the couple that God is using to be leaders. And um, so love them, appreciate them, um, love each other through this process. It's, it's very challenging. But I know God is with you. I sense it. Um, and just trust the Lord. So, again, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be a part of this. I think this is a great prayer that's in here. So why don't we just pray this together? It's on, it's in your handout. And uh, let's pray it together. Let's just pray it together out loud, but kind of slowly and let the words sink in. And, and then I might have just a quick follow-up prayer if you'll allow me that opportunity. Father, in the name of Jesus, this is your church, and we pray for your continued favor, wisdom, and direction in this process. Your heart for lost people is evident, as it is your desire that none should perish. We are answering your call to increase and go all in on reaching our immediate mission field in Laramie. Thank you that you are with us and that we can trust you and follow you. We ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. I'd like to have the, the board and my wife to join me and have Matt and Melanie, and if their kids are in the room, come on up as well and join them here in the front. I'm just gonna take a few seconds, I promise, but let's pray for them. And I'll pray for them and the board, and you guys can pray with us. Yeah, staff, please. I'm sorry, thank you, Colleen. Staff pastors, and uh, again, this is all of us, but let's just lift up this precious group, and Colleen and I will come over here and lay hands on Matt and Melanie. Lord, as we step into this journey, this season, God, we lift up our leaders, Lord, Pastor Matt and Melanie and their kids. We lift up this board. God, we pray that your spirit will be upon them. We pray that you'll protect them, God, from the strategies of the devil. God, we ask that you cover them and, and just fill them with joy and strength and energy and insight. Stir up the gifts of your spirit in them and in this board and the staff and the leadership. Lord, in each and every member and person of this body. Hallelujah. Lord, we declare together that all things are possible with you as our great and mighty God. And we will take a step of faith together, Lord. But we lift them up. God, we thank you for that. Continue to open the heaven, Lord, over this ministry and accomplish all that is in your heart to do, God, all that is in your will to do, Lord, for this ministry, for this community of faith, to reach this community, to reach this state, to reach this world for you. Hallelujah. In Christ's precious name we pray and we give you thanks. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.